What number is this, Chip? Zilch 155, the monkeys present side one, the round table. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. Zilch. Zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a monkeys podcast. Welcome back to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. I'm your host, Ken Mills, and today we are diving into the Monkeys Present, also known as the Monkeys Present Mickey, David, Michael, or simply Present. I never knew what to call this album, but we'll get into that in a little bit. First, I want to thank you all for listening to last episode, Zilch 154, with Mickey Dolan's Live in Japan with Ian and Glenn from 7A. Great response. Everyone seemed to like it. And seriously, pick up the new CD DVD set, Mickey Dolan's Live in Japan, or get the green splattered vinyl. It really looks cool. Check it out. We want to thank them for being on the last episode. We want to thank you for sharing the show, and we are picking a winner. We will announce that on the next episode. Before we get really cooking here, there's something really neat that I want to let you know about. We love Bobby Hart. Without Bobby Hart, there may be no monkeys as we know it, right? He's one half of the songwriting team of Boyce and Hart. And friend of the show, Jody Ritson, has added some unique, never-before-offered items in her online store for you monkeys collectors out there. For the first time ever, one of the most famous TV theme songs will now be available for every collector to own. And it's available at a few price points. There are four ways you can get something cool from Bobby Hart. Number one. A reprint signed Monkey's Theme by Bobby Hart. These lyric sheet reproductions will be signed and numbered with only 100 being printed. You can get one of those for 65 bucks. But, number two, you can get a reprint of the hand signed Monkey's Theme by Bobby Hart and a signed photo as well. These lyric sheet reproductions will be signed and numbered with only 100 being printed and will come with a photo of Boyce and Hart signed by Bobby Hart. Great for displaying together. $100. There's the Big Megilla, number three. There is the original handwritten lyrics to the Monkeys theme song, handwritten by Bobby Hart. It'll also come with an 8x10 of Boyce and Hart, which will be signed by Bobby Hart as well. The lyric sheet will come with a signed certificate of authenticity. Shipping will come with insurance. Each hand signed lyric will be written out when ordered. The cost is $500, but this is for serious collectors only. You better get this while you can. This is something that has never really been offered before to Monkeys fans, and it's really neat. And you can also get signed copies of Bobby Hart's autobiography, Psychedelic Bubblegum, and he will sign that. You get a copy of the book for $50, and you can get all of that. Go to www.monkeysmeetandgreets.com forward slash apps forward slash web store. So check that out. We love Bobby Hart. We appreciate him for his work with the monkeys and everything else that he's done. Fantastic songwriter, and he treated us really good here at Zilch. So if you are interested in getting some handwritten lyrics from Bobby, now's the time. 
from the man who wrote the songs that outsold the Beatles and the Rolling Stones in 1967 and 1968 comes the story of the first decades of his life in Hollywood, New York. The new book, Psychedelic Bubblegum, Voice and Heart, The Monkeys, and Turning Mayhem into Miracles. Immerse yourself in Grammy, Golden Globe, and Academy Award-nominated songwriter Bobby Hart's world. As half of the duo of Voice and Heart, he and his partner, Tommy Voice, wrote the songs that launched the Monkees to stardom and eventually reaching over 100 million in sales. Psychedelic Bubblegum is a roller coaster ride through the 60s and 70s during America's whirlwind era of free speech, mysticism, psychedelic pop culture, and of course, rock and roll. If you're into the 60s and 70s pop, Psychedelic Bubblegum is a must-read book. Written by Bobby Hart with Glenn Ballantyne and a foreword by Mickey Dolenz. Find Bobby Hart at Facebook, go to the Psychedelic Bubblegum Facebook page, and go to bobbyhart.com for full details. And now back with the rest of the show. Today we're looking at 1969's The Monkey's Present. I never knew what to call this thing. And to be honest with you, I didn't really know about this album even existing for the longest time. You could go to any yard sale, you could pick up the first four or five Monkees albums pretty easily. But this one, along with instant replay and changes, it seemed like nobody knew anything about them. I first found out about the Monkees present when I was probably 14 years old. And I remember going to National Record Mart, or whatever it was called at the time, and they had these big books that you could open up, read, and find everything in the artist's discography. And I was shocked to find all these different releases, some from you could get as an import. But I was surprised to find out that there was an actual soundtrack to Head, that there was The Monkey's Present, Instant Replay, and Changes. And that set me on a path to try to find them. Today, we are joined by... Jeff Hewlett, Jeff Geringer, Melinda Gildart, and David Ghosty Wills. And they're going to give you their opinion on The Monkees Present. And after this, we will come back with Tommy B. And we will pick out your favorite song on The Monkees Present, Side 1. Without further ado or further ado, here comes The Monkees Roundtable. Take it away, Jeff. Greetings, Zilch Nation, and welcome to part one of our track-by-track roundtable coverage of The Monkees Present. I am Jeff Hewlett, and tonight we will be covering the A-side of the original LP containing the first six tracks. And here to help me is the crew that all of you should be familiar with from our prior album roundtables, starting first with the wonderful Melinda Gildart. How are you? I am fantastic, everyone. I'm back. It's wonderful to have you. I'm so excited that you're here to talk about Present with us. Let's see. Next up, we've got the dulcet tones of Mr. Jeff Geringer. Good evening, everybody. Hey, hey. Hey, welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. Always great to have you here. Thank you, sir. And rounding out the panel is the one and only Ghosty Timmers. How are you tonight, Mr. Timmers? I am I am I calling ninety seven? Sorry, you're ninety six. You are. 
Oh, yeah, you get to talk about the monkeys present tonight. <laughs> All right, so everybody's here and we're ready to go. And uh, we're going to be talking about the monkeys present the first six tracks anyway. So the album itself was released on October the 1st of 1969. And um, let's see here. So the monkeys at this point, I guess you could say the monkeys were kind of past their their peak popularity. The kind of the studio wasn't really paying too much attention to the band. The guys had a heck of a lot more control over the creation of this record. So this is, of course, the second album released after Peter left the band and the last to feature Michael Nesmith until the Just Us album came out in, I think it was like 1996. Um, So all but two of the songs for this album were recorded in 68 or 69, and it reached about, I think, 100 on the Billboard Weekly. It was about where it peaked as an album and shortly after the album's release Nesmith said he was leaving the band and forming his own group called the First National Band. Let's see. So a couple little background tidbits about this album. Of course it featured two singles. Listen to the band uh, backed with Someday Man which did not appear on the record which I think is a really fantastic song. It's a shame it didn't make it on the record. Yeah. I agree. Here, here. And let's see, the second single was Good Clean Fun, backed with Mommy and Daddy, which uh, released in September of 69 and reached 63 in the U.S. And I see both singles seem to do a lot better in Australia, but uh, didn't really chart too much here in the States. Of course, it's well known this album was originally supposed to be a double album, but wound up getting pared down to a single album uh, with Torque being gone from the band and record sales kind of dropping off. They pared it down to a single disc um so you know what i guess what like we always do before we kick off our discussion of the uh the songs themselves let's go around the table and talk about our initial impressions of the album as a whole why don't we kick it off with melinda oh well (laughs) well that tells it all right there doesn't it (laughs) all right next time on the zilch round table (laughs) well of the original nine monkeys albums this is by far my least favorite so i'm I'm gonna try to keep it as positive as i possibly can um i'm I'm gonna try to look for that silver lining in every cloud (laughs) i'm gonna just i'm gonna look for the good part in 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 all of these tracks and but overall it's it's just not a good album Mm. it's not a good album ghosty do you have a contrary opinion of this record Oh, it's not contrary. It's complimentary. Um, this this album, you know, Instant Replay was, the story of that album is Peter's gone, and we're cobbling this thing together. And for some reason, it, I think we all agreed that it kind of worked. Mm-hmm. In yeah. this case, Peter's still gone. Davey evidently went on vacation because his contributions are minimal to this. And it's basically Mike and Mickey working on songs all around the same time, but nothing here gels mm. for whatever reason. And and there are songs on here that when they're on compilations, like when Little Girl is on Hit Factory and it's sandwiched between two stronger songs then I don't mind it. You know, I hear it and I go, oh yeah, that's that's a great track. But for some reason, everything about this album doesn't work. Hmm. Interesting, interesting insights. I kind of had the same types of feelings. Uh, Jeff, 
Garinger, what did you think of this album as a whole? Well, I was surprised how poorly it did on the charts. If it reached 100, and you guys know the chart goes to only 100. So it's, <laughs> it's, because at that time, you know, in 69, there was a lot of push for the guys still. That's when they were doing all their commercials, the mm-hmm. Kool-Aid and oh, what was the Nerf balls? Nerf, yeah. Yeah. I think Kool-Aid supported the tour for this, didn't they? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the one with Sam and the Good Timers. Oh. Yeah. One thing about the song is they obviously were very strict. There's 12 tracks on this album, four sung by Davey, four by Mike, and four by Mickey. And what I also find interesting is that in, in previous albums, you could have Mickey try the vocal, and if it didn't work, Mike could try the vocal. Mm-hmm. Well, on this album, man, you can't drop Davey into Oklahoma Backroom Dancer. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, they are so identified. Mickey songs are Mickey's, Mike's are Mike's, and so forth. It's mm-hmm. it's an interesting album, but <laughs> for those of you that like to email us about how stupid we are for putting the monkeys down, get your emails ready. <laughs> Fire them up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I guess I'm kind of um, sort of in line with you guys. This, this album is really a mixed bag. For me, there's a couple tracks that I do like, but on the whole, it, it doesn't rank amongst my favorites. And I have to agree with uh, what Ghosty said. It just doesn't feel like it works. It doesn't gel. It doesn't feel cohesive uh, to me. And I'll confess that um, listening to this album in preparation to do this uh, podcast with you guys was the first time I'd actually listened to it all the way through since the Handmade box set came out in 2013. So it had been a while since I did a, a, an A to B uh, play of this album and and not just handpicked a few tracks in in a playlist or something. So um, there's a couple of interesting things about this album. I like the fact that the monkeys themselves wrote over half the tracks on this album, or at least co-wrote some of them. So that that's a, that's a nice uh, positive thing about this. And although they did wind up recording most of them solo with studio backup, and but but unlike a lot of the previous albums, I can't really cite more than one song on this album as being truly standout or noteworthy for me. There's a couple other ones that I can give some, some thumbs up to, but there's only one I think that I think really stands out as a great, great song. So I guess we'll get more into that stuff as we start talking through the tracks themselves. You guys ready to dive into side a with track number one? Sure. Sure. All right. All right. So uh, we start off on the, the a side of the record with little girl written by Mickey Dolenz. Little girl as smart as she can be, oh Little girl has made a fool of me, oh I believed her when she said she really loved me The love was shining in my eyes So I couldn't see the lies In her eyes Little girl knows more than she pretends She knew I wanted to be more than friends Every time she hurt me, oh how sorry she was Yesterday she went too far and now I'm through because I'm wise to all those lies. Friends said, don't worry now, she's sweet and she's kind. Don't be afraid to tell her how you feel all the time. The little things that bothered me, I let them go by. And now it's too late to cry. Little Girl, written by Mickey Dolenz. Lead vocals by Dolenz with some backing vocals by Mickey and Coco. And uh, Mickey also plays an acoustic guitar on this as well as producing. We have a couple of other people who worked on this. Electric Guitar by Louis Shelton, bass by Ray Pullman, drums by Earl Palmer. It's interesting Mickey didn't play drums 
on this one. Recorded at RCA Victor Studios, Hollywood, August 14th, 1969. In my opinion, I think Mickey's vocals on this track are great. Uh, it's one of the songs I, I do like on the record, although I, I agree with Ghosty in context, it doesn't work as well as it does on compilation records. But I love the guitar work in this. The drums are pretty good. It's a nice, smooth track. Some great background vocals from Coco. Um, let's see. Ghosty, what do you think about Little Girl? Strange song to open an album. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, yes. I mean, listen to the band would be the obvious one, but yeah. then that would kind of be a lie because every, everything's <laughs> uh, mixed up here and it's really no band per se. But um, Listen to someone's band. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I like this song. I, I think it's a pleasant song. It seems to me that ever since uh, Mickey did Going Down, uh, he seems to be in this rush during this period to throw as many words and sing as incredibly fast as he yeah. possibly can. And you hear that a lot on this record, and especially this, little girl, you know, um, <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that's all about, but <laughs> we, I think we, in our instant replay discussion, I, I th- I'll say we, but it was really me. I think I, I called Mickey a weirdo, <laughs> and this is like one of the least weirdo songs <laughs> on this record. So it's, it's, uh, it's mediocre and it's a bright spot. So that should tell you uh, how I'm going to rate the other songs. Mm. So the, <laughs> Very telling. Are. Very telling. <laughs> Mr. Geringer, your thoughts on Little Girl? Well, I also agree it's an odd choice to kick off an album. I have to say hats off to Louis Shelton. Boy, what a great guitar work he did on this song. Just Oh, yeah. Just it's tremendous. Happy. Incredible. Just just did a, a great job. And it's, you know, the odd thing about this album is so many of the songs are really not stereotypical monkey songs. Right. You know, if you took Mickey's vocal off of Little Girl and dropped in, I don't, you know, Neil Diamond, who was popular at the time, it it, it doesn't sound like a monkey song. It doesn't sound like a Mickey Dolan song. It's just, just kind of unique and out there. And of the songs in the album, this is one of my more favorite. Hmm. Notice I didn't say I liked it. Notice I yeah. didn't say I loved it. I, said, <laughs> yeah. I, I like the point about taking taking the, the vocalists out of these songs and putting someone else in, because I, I was thinking that myself as I listened to this uh, to, to prep for the podcast, that this really doesn't feel monkeys to me. I think I have a note in a couple of the other tracks saying something very, very similar. Melinda, what is your impression of Little Girl? Well, Jeff Geringer. Yeah. <laughs> You took my bright spot. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know you're a side you're a sideman fan, so Oh yeah. That was my bright spot, you know, the fantastic guitar work by Louis Shelton. I don't know. I, I blame the fact that I don't like this song on Shorty Blackwell. Okay. So Fair enough. Great analogy. Me, for me, this kind of metamorphosis that Mickey Mickey started with Shorty Blackwell with this kind of children's storyteller type voice. You know, it, it continues throughout this album and it's just it, it just does not sit well with me. And in addition to that, I just feel like it's such a missed opportunity. I mean, this is one of the greatest voices in pop music ever. Yep. You know, he has the vocal chops to sing as we go along, sometime in the morning, and you know, even the build out the voice, you know for a generation on for Pete's sake and we get little girl. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, why? It's just, it's so mediocre. It's because so no one was telling them. No, that's true. Never tell a monkey. Yes. 
Sorry, son. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of us. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't don't wish time away. I mean, this album is is certainly echoing that there was no one in charge. Everyone had their own. When they were going to have a double album with each side, each monkey, that's kind of what this sounds like. But that project was thrown away, and now we have this. Mm. Yeah, I think other haven't many other popular famous bands done things that were similar to that. I know Pink Floyd did a an album where each band member got. Uh, is is a Ken side. Mills going ape right now because Kiss did this? Yeah. <laughs> right. Wait, so, so the monkeys present is their version of Umaguma. Yes, I was. That's <laughs> I was going right. There. Yeah, it could very well be. That could very well be. Well, let's see. Let's move on to the next track written by a different monkey. Good, clean, fun. There's a smile on the wind as it touches my face And starts to erase all the gloom And the sun with a kiss begins to dismiss The memory of my life without you Well, it seems like yesterday that my path took me away Although I know it's been at least a year but now my path heads home and your patient time alone Has brought me even closer to you, dear And this plane gets closer every minute I look down To a watch that keeps looking back at me And it says to me, be patient, son, you've waited this long But how can I be strong? Good, clean, fun, written by Mr. Michael Nesmith with lead vocal by Michael Nesmith, produced by Michael Nesmith, and we have a plethora of other folks playing on this one. Guitar by Wayne Moss, steel guitar by Lloyd Green, the awesome banjo by Bobby Thompson, bass by Norman Putnam, drums Jerry Carrigan, percussion by the famous Unknown, uh, piano by David Briggs, violin by Buddy Spicker, I think. Spiker, Spicker, not sure about that one tough one so this song was actually recorded during the head sessions uh, at rca victor studios in nashville so um hmm for me this is a fun nesmith tune kind of a classic nez country sound i love the banjo break in the middle of this one um another one of the songs i i can say that i actually do enjoy listening to on this record i like this is another track with a, a nesmith travel motif this time it's an airplane instead of a train which he seems to sing about quite a bit. And um, I kind of like the song as a, as a journey that he's on. You kind of have a little story that goes on through it, and you, you know, he gets off the plane and, and sees the person in the crowd. It's kind of a nice sentiment. Let's see. Um, Jeff Garinger, your thoughts on Good, Clean, Fun? Well, I have to say I love just about anything that came out of that Nashville studio with Michael. Hmm. I had a chance to go there on vacation once, and you actually can tour that specific oh, cool. studio. And it's if you've ever been in one of those legendary studios, you're like Capitol Tower in Hollywood or mm. any place like that where you, you so much history. And I mean, the if these places could talk, it's it's just amazing. And I, I, I just love the sound that Mike got out of it. Um, my only displeasure in the song is that it's one of those that could clean fun is nowhere in the lyrics. Oh, yeah, good point. So if you wanted to buy the new Monkey single couldn't hum it couldn't you know you're kind of stuck with it but <laughs> yeah that's a good point another thing too about this song uh, 
you know, the single came out first, which was Listen to the Band. Mm-hmm. Listen to the Band structurally was totally different than any Monkees record that really was released. And it did okay. I know it in Los Angeles here, it did okay on the charts, you know, 30s or 40s. Um, but it kind of opened the door for the next release, which is Good Clean Fun. So Good Clean Fun to me is much more hardcore country than Listen to the Band. Mm-hmm. But we had our, our appetites whetted with into the band so when this came out it wasn't wasn't so jarring oh that's interesting thought interesting thought melinda what do you think of good clean fun i look at it in the opposite jeff but good clean fun it's not my favorite nest tune by a long shot and it's because it's just entirely too hee-haw it really is and i understand it was recorded in nashville but you know i like the nest tunes that kind of straddle the hee-haw fence you know i love papa jeans blues Mm -hmm. you know i even you know really get into you know sweet young thing because it's like a totally boot stomping track but the clean fun is is just kind of boring to me it's it's just too hee-haw i'm i much rather prefer listen to the band so can i guess that you can i guess that you won't be attending the first national band concerts in january um, unfortunately, <laughs> no. no, I, I just may, I, I, I just may open up my mind a little bit, but for right now, uh, <laughs> not likely. But, I you thought know, you were going to ask Melinda if, if she was uh, going to be attending a, a, a hee-haw convention or something. <laughs> the way- they have those? <laughs> I, they should. <laughs> I wouldn't well, I doubt mean, it. I know it was recorded during the Nashville sessions, but I think they were still finishing up head at the time. So I'm thinking this was a missed opportunity for like Circle Sky Part Two or something. You know, Mm -hmm. we could have had just another all out rocker like that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's missing from this album. Yeah. Missed opportunity. uh, I think I agree. Missed opportunity. Uh, Ghosty, your thoughts on Good Clean Fun? Uh, I I like it. I I think it's a... I don't know if it's single material, but mm. I like the song. I, it's it's catchy. Uh, you know, the problem here with Monkeys Present, and I feel this way mainly about Mickey and Michael's songs. It's like they stuck with the original intention for this record, that everybody was going to get a side. Mm. I think that was the thought, right? And I feel like it's, you know, here's tracks from Michael's solo album here's some tracks from Mickey's solo album yeah. and you know Davey showed up to do two and we'll just throw them together and and the idea that Mickey is nowhere on any of these Nesmith tunes yeah. as far as I know and I, I just miss that even you know the Birds and Bees and the Monkeys wasn't that long ago and, and you know you had Mickey singing Auntie's Municipal Court I mean there was mm-hmm. always some kind of overlap between Mike and Mickey, either Mickey singing harmony or, you know, or Mickey singing lead on a mic cut. And it would have been nice if we got more than one monkey on a track. Yeah, I I agree. Maybe that's one of the reasons why this album doesn't feel like a cohesive monkeys album. It doesn't have the same kind of feel as prior albums. And I like the point that you brought up that good, clean fun doesn't seem like single material. It made me start to think aside from listen to the band, what other song on this album could have been the second single? I can't really pick one. Nothing feels strong enough. No, there, <laughs> there's really nothing. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> Jeff Garinger, you agree? <laughs> Does somebody well, have any ideas? You know, I was going to say looking for the good times, but that was recorded in 66. And if it wasn't good in 66, why would it be good in 69? True. True. All right. Well, good point. So, well, I guess good, clean fun was the choice then 
for the second single for this album. So moving on, moving on to track number three, If I Knew. Bill Chadwick and David Jones, lead vocal by Davey, backing vocal by Davey and Bill Chadwick. A few other folks, oh, Bill Chadwick and Davey produced this as well. Uh, Acoustic guitars by David Cohen, bass by Max Bennett, drums by Hal Blaine, and piano. Michael Rubini recorded at RCA Victor Studios June 27th, and Sunset Sound Recorders Hollywood July 1st, 60. Nine. So this, of course, is the requisite Davy Jones slowy. Um, for me, not great, but not terrible. Kind of a saccharine tune. I do like the piano, the meandering piano in the background, um, but not a heck of a lot else stands out about this track for me. Uh, Melinda, your thoughts on If I Knew? Well, it's a beautiful song, and definitely the loveliest vocals from Davy on this album. It's the least dated sounding of the two ballads on the album for me. Um, but it's it's still kind of loungy. Um, you know, I still prefer Hard to Believe. Ooh, hard to Believe. You know, if you're going to go in that direction for a Davy ballad. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's definitely a different sound from the full 120-piece, you know, orchestral productions from Birds, Bees, and the Monkeys. Yeah. You know, hashtag I still hate we were made for each other. Uh, <laughs> ah, man, you're still jabbing me on that one. <laughs> you know, but it's a nice layback track, um, you know, and it's my favorite Davy song on the album. Oh, that's, there's a bright spot for you. Ghosty, what are your thoughts on If I Knew? Do you agree with Melinda? Well, of of the Davy cuts on this record, it's the best one. Hmm. But that's not really saying much, No, to be honest. <laughs> you know, it's it's nice. That's it. I have no, I don't, there's, there's really nothing else I can say about it. Oh, my it. God. We're petering out on track three. Oh. It's nice. Oh, sorry, Zosh Nation. <laughs> We're, we're trying, Jeff. We're trying. Sorry, Zil- don't apologize to me. Apologize to the Zilch Nation who are out there listening to us blather on. Mr. Geringer, hopefully you have something to say about if I, I do. Need- you know, I, I right. kind of like the song, actually. I, I love um, David Cohen. I'm not familiar with his work, but I thought he did a nice kind of... See, I, I look at this song as like it's something that would be played at a bar at like 2 in mm. the morning. Because it really is kind of about a love affair that's gone away. And is she coming back? Is she not coming back? And I thought David did a great job vocal out. He wrote, he co-wrote the song. So I think it's one of the better songs in the album. 
So there. All right. So <laughs> in your face, Ghosty and Melinda. <laughs> and me. Hey, I like it too. <laughs> I said it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's see how we do with uh, the fourth track. Bye-bye, baby, bye-bye. <laughs> So the second Mickey Dolan's track, this is co-written by Mickey and Rick Klein. Lead vocals, of course, by Mickey. Backing vocals by Mickey, Davey, and another unknown voice. Electric guitar again by Louis Shelton. Uh, banjo in there. James Burton, bass, Joel Osborne. Drums again by Hal Blaine. Got a harmonica by Tommy Morgan. Produced by Mr. Dolan's himself. Uh, recorded at RCA Victor Studios in Hollywood, July 16th of 1969. So let's see. Let's go around. Ghosty, ghosty, opinions, thoughts. <sighs> <laughs> oh man, starting with a sigh is never good. Uh, it's not as annoying as Shorty Blackwell. <laughs> it's shorter. Yeah, a bit. Uh, it's Mickey in full-on weirdo territory again. You know, I have to give him credit because. Until we started doing these, I really didn't think of Mickey's songwriting and producing oeuvre as uh, as him being the denizen of Weirdsville. But he hmm. he certainly is. This is, however, probably my least favorite of the Mickey cuts on here. Hmm. Yeah, I I probably have to agree with you on that there's a couple there's some good bits in the song that, that i that i can point out but there's some definitely parts that i don't care for i'm the skiffleish outro uh, it just feels like it's a little overdone and I, I the chorus bits are pretty decent some interesting lyrics um about mickey's rationale for leaving the relationship but i i don't know it just there's something really off-putting about this song to me melinda how about you um, uh-oh well. <laughs> another sigh Oh, man. How I put this, bye-bye, baby, bye-bye, sounds like some sort of war chant set to a good old-fashioned hold-down backing track. <laughs> it's just... Oh, wow. I really don't know what the intent is here and, and what's happening, but it's it's so weird. 
you know, it, it's the only song on the album that was recorded after 66 to actually feature more than one monkey. And, but that's even scarier. It's like, okay, there was help. And, you know, you can hear Davey on backing vocals, but he just can't say this song. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> why, Nikki? Why? <laughs> uh, Jeff Garinger, can you save this song? Nope. No. Nope, I think <laughs> and, you know, for all of you upset with this, please direct your Facebook emails to <laughs> Jeff Hewlett. Which will be immediately directed to Ken Mills, <laughs> the podfather himself. No, this this album is, is a prime example of when Mickey just had too much money and too much time on his hands and, and creates, you know, something that's kind of experimental. And that's where Bye Bye Baby, Bye Bye comes in. Mm-hmm. I, I It seems like I'm emphasizing the sidemen on, on this, but it gives you something to, to look forward to as opposed to the song. Um, Tommy Morgan. If you don't know who Tommy Morgan is, he's... He is the go-to harmonica guy on any pop record. Mm. Jermaine Jackson, The Carpenters, Neil Diamond, Frank Sinatra, and hundreds of other people. It's Tommy Morgan. He's now like 91 or something and wow. just phenomenal. And he's the one that kind of does the driving sound of the harmonica that kind of sounds like a choo-choo train. It's it's amazing. Other than that, uh, can I sigh like everyone else did? Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's all do it together. Let's do a three, two, one count. We'll all sigh. Ready? Three. No, we should do two. Oh, okay. wait. We need to get Davey from the end of If I Knew because he oh, sighs. Yes, oh, he, <laughs> he does. It's a little brief one, but Davey well, sums here, up Jeff. the album. Yeah, uh, we're all. Let, why don't we all sigh and then Ken will add in Davey at the end? Okay, so yeah. we'll do a three, two, one count, and then we'll all sigh together. Sure. Right? Three, okay. two, one. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> Okay. <laughs> okay. We got it out. We got it out before track five. Never tell a woman yes. Caravan was a girl of a golden tan. She asked me if I was headed to the east. I politely stepped aside and said I did not need a ride, that I'd rather take my chances with the heat. Well, when she turned and walked away, I saw my big mistake. There were jewels on her body, oh, so rare. Had it been another day, I just might have rode away With that woman riding off to God knows where So the years they came and went and found me living in a tent Far above a little marble stream And it may have been the light that shone out through the night That attracted the hand scratching on my screen when I cautiously looked out Through the night there was no doubt That the owner of the hand was that girl So I Never tell a woman yes. Oh, oh God. Oh, so it's, wow, it's starting already. <laughs> oh, it's starting already. Um, okay, so written by Nez himself. Lead vocal by Nez. Acoustic guitar by Michael Nesmith. Produced by Michael Nesmith. Banjo, Al Casey bass, Joe Osborne drums again by Hal Blaine. Recorded in Hollywood, June 2nd, 
1969. Um, definitely not my favorite Nez lyric. Not a huge fan of this song. I some of the some good bits in the arrangement, kind of a jaunty and fun sound, but doesn't feel like it belongs on a monkeys album. I knew I had a note some notes in here about some of these songs not feeling very monkeys, but then again, I, then again, is this really a monkeys album? Uh, Nez wondering what he would have if he would have robbed this poor girl if he was the one that had gone on the caravan with her. That was very bizarre to me. Um, I I don't know. This is a tough one for me. Uh, Ghosty, uh, where do you fall on Never Tell a Woman Yes, would you? Well, <laughs> like falling on a sword. Um, well, like I said, this this feels like selected cuts from a Nesmith solo album. Mm. And I will say that he's kind of building upon what he did with Magnolia Sims on this True, cut. Kinda, yeah. This Rudy Tooty old timey <laughs> music and you know, it, it was in the air because um the Doctor West Medicine Show and Junk Band song, The Eggplant That Ate Chicago mm-hmm. um was like a bubbling under hit and the birds have a song Citizen Kane hmm. on their Bird Maniacs album, which is, you know, oh, it's Citizen Kane. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so this sort of Rudy Valley thing was <laughs> was happening. This is like throwback to the uh, to the teens. Maybe it was a reaction to the popularity of Edwardian style in Britain, and this was the American equivalent or something, but that's probably a lot of pseudo-intellectual posturing. It's just sort of a... <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of a... Get it out, ghosty. It's sort of crap, you know? I mean, that's really what it is. But it, oh, it's um, it's Nesmith, so it's always interesting crap. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, that that was brilliant. Uh, <laughs> I really thought you were going in a positive direction there until the crash and burn at the end. But, um, Jeff Garinger, can you, can you take us back off? No, I'm going to I'm going to take take you out of your misery. Oh god, take me out back and shoot me now. Here's the problem with this song. There is no viable melody. No. I dare I dare <laughs> any one of you to hum me the melody of this song. Wow. It's impossible. It's just it there's no melody, there's no hook. Ghost, you know, you got to have a hook to make it. What's the hook of this song? I can say that for a lot of songs on this record. I yeah. Mean, holy cow. It's just amazing. My guess, and I've I've read this somewhere, so I can't take credit for it, is that at this point in 69, Mike's writing songs and he's coming up with some beautiful lyrics and Joanne and things like this. He ain't going to let the monkeys have it because he wants the first Mm -hmm. national band to have his better material. Yeah. So I think that's why he threw Never Tell a Woman Yes in the monkeys pile, knowing that he's going to do, you know, Silver Moon for the first national band. Yeah. That's just a guess. Just a guess. No, you could be onto something there, Melinda. You think uh, Jeff's calling this one? I believe so. I mean, it, it's obvious. You know, Mike had one foot out the door, and okay. and you know, three toes of the other foot. You know, along with it, it's oh my god, this is the worst song that he ever wrote. It's the worst <laughs> song he ever produced. It's the worst <laughs> song he ever played on. It's the worst song that he ever sang. It's just horrible. It's Phony terrible. It it's it's three minutes and 43 seconds long, but it never seems to end. It, it It's just, it's so horrible. I, I just want every single character in this song 
to grab hands and jump off the bridge together like in head. You know, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just jump just and never come back. Can't say anything else. All right. So this is the point. I'm going to I'm going to pull the car over for a second and I'm going to ask the, the zilch nation out there. After you're listening to this, uh, when, when Ken puts this episode out, I want you to flood us with positive comments and tell us how wrong we are about all these songs. So uh, I feel bad. I, I, I don't want to be as negative as, as I've been, but I mean, I, I have a hard time not being. I think we probably might be in the minority. We may be. I've heard, I've heard people say, you know, that they really love this record and, uh, you know, maybe they're getting something out of it. We're not, but yeah, tell I, us I, what I, you I've heard people it. say hey, they really like it. What I think we're doing here too, is that, you know, we're just not this love sickle fan thing that thinks everything the monkeys touch is golden. Right. Cause right. you know, Agreed. as we're proven today, it ain't, but you know, it's, it, it People have to understand that just because, you know, we're burying these songs and you like them doesn't mean you're wrong and you're I'm right or, or whoever. Yep. Opinions are opinions. And that's really all they are. And they really mean well, they only mean something to the people who have them. And they only mean something to you if you choose to allow them to. So, you know, we're not saying anyone else is wrong and we're not saying that we're right. We're just having our opinions. So I guess that brings us to the final track on this side of the album looking for the good times. Looking for the good times, which actually was recorded several years prior. It's the first voice and heart tune on this album. Uh, lead vocal by Davy Jones, harmony by Mickey Dolans, backing vocals by Tommy Boyce, Bobby Hart, and Ron Hicklin, and a um, few other people. On this one, we got guitars by Wayne Irwin, Jerry McGee, and Louis Shelton. Acoustic guitar by Tommy Boyce. And we got bass by Larry Taylor, drums by Billy Lewis, tambourine, Gene Estes, and organ by Bobby Hart, produced by Boyce and Hart. So this was actually recorded during the sessions for more of the Monkees uh, back in Hollywood in October of 1966. And boy, does this sound like it was recorded several right. years prior it really to me doesn't feel like it fits the on the album uh, with the rest of the tracks not oh, that it's heck a, no yeah not that it's a bad song or sounds bad it just sounds completely removed uh from everything else um you know i, I the guitar work is on this is great i love the aggressive drumming uh, a simple lyric it, it kind of somewhat fits some of davy's mo that we've heard prior um but still it's kind of a middle of the road track um, I think it's the better of the the two Boys and Heart tracks. 
that are on this record. So I'm flipping my hand a little bit for the second half, which will be coming up down the road. Um, so hold on for that one. Uh, Melinda, your thoughts on looking for the good times? It's a poor man's 99 pounds. Nice. It's, <laughs> it, it's not a horrible song. Like like you said, I, I agree. It's just so dated. And, you know, while 99 pounds fit on changes, this one just doesn't fit at all. No. Not at all. Voice and Heart, they could have come up with something better. And it's just out of place on an album with everything else that's already out of place. Mm. I agree. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, they dip back in the, the unreleased catalog to, to pull this one out and throw it on a record. And we know now, in hindsight, how many great songs were sitting in that archive that never saw the light of day. I mean, how many yeah. great songs could they have put on this album instead of some of the ones that they did? Uh, Jeff Garringer, your thoughts on Looking for the Good Times? Well, yeah, this this song does not fit at all. I totally agree with Melinda. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> that this song was even included because it's it's so off the wall compared to, you know, Bye Bye Baby Bye Bye and then, you know, this one, which sounds like a typical Monkeys record. Mm. The one thing I did like about it is it had Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart in background vocals yep. and also Ron Hicklin. Now, for those of you that might not know, Ron Hicklin uh, was one of the big um, voiceover singer people in the business and he was the voice of David Cassidy. Before they realized David Cassidy could sing. Nice. You know, if, if you watch the first six episodes or so of the Partridge Family, he's lip syncing to Ron Hicklin. Oh, wow. Just some trivia on an otherwise useless, crappy song. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Ghosty, <laughs> final word on looking for the good times. Well, I agree with everyone that it doesn't fit on the album, I think the reason it's on here is to sort of boost Davy's quote and quotient of songs because he really only has two on this record. Um, no, he's got you know, four. Uh, well, he's got uh, If I Knew. He's got If I Knew, Looking for right. the Good Stop. Times, Ladies Aid Society. Yeah, but those are old ones. He's only got two new songs. Oh, His I'm other contributions are old. trying to help the Manchester Cowboy here. Come on, go <laughs> Well, what I'm saying is an instant replay, you know, he was coming on strong on that record. That's true. And here it's like he just took a vacation. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's only got two contributions on here, and I don't know whose decision that was, but because Davey always seemed to, to be the guy who would, you know, pitch in and, and do what needed to be done you know, to to get a record out. He, I, I know famously he can't stand, couldn't stand changes, but, you know, he, he participated. But even though this doesn't fit the album and it's sort of, I don't know, a poor man's 99 pounds or a poor man's Valerie, it's actually a, it's one of two bright spots on side one. Hmm. I think Good Clean Fun is probably the best song on side one with this being... Uh, second best. Um, but again, it's kind of sad when a reject from several years ago is outclassing the new material that's been recorded for the record. Mm, yeah, excellent point. But, you know, saying that Good Clean Fun was your favorite track from side one of the album, now that we're going to be closing up our side one discussion, that sounds like a pretty good way to close up side one. So Ghosty has confessed that Good Clean Fun was his favorite track from the first half of the album. <laughs> Jeff Garringer, what is your favorite song from the first half of this record? I think I'd go right behind Ghosty. 
Uh, good, clean fun is, is good, clean fun. It's just a fun, happy kind of tune. All right. Uh, Melinda, do you agree or do you have a different favorite? No, I would go with If I Knew. Oh, very cool. Oh, so, okay. Two good, clean, fun votes. One for If I Knew. And uh, let's see. I'm, well, I'm probably going to have to go with Good, Clean, Fun uh, myself as my favorite track from the first half of the album. Although I really do like Little Girl. Ghosty, your point about it fitting better on a compilation album, I think, is is spot on. Because in the context of this album, I don't know, it just doesn't it doesn't work as well for me as it does. Uh, yeah. And I think looking for the good times I first heard on a compilation too. Oh, right. And, and uh, it might've been on that hit factory compilation. And I remember thinking, well, what a great song, you know, and, and I appreciate it more in that, uh, in that context than on, on this album. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think, I know I heard it too on a compilation. I'm, I can't remember which one it was monkey flips or, or, yeah, or, yeah. or, yeah, I'm not sure which one it was. I'll have to look them up. I had that one on vinyl, uh, back in the late 80s but all right well i guess that brings us to the end of our coverage of the first side of the monkeys present and we'll do a quick close out here and tell all you folks out there in listener land how you can reach us so melinda if people want to chat monkeys with you where can they find you online they can find me on facebook <laughs> oh man this is this is setting ourselves up isn't it um <laughs> Mr. Geringer, where can people find you if they want to discuss the monkeys present? Can I tell you what I got bombarded with when I said Valerie sucked? Oh, oh my God. I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine. You almost like, got to from me, Jeff. <laughs> it's like, why did I say that? What? Did you have to shut down your Facebook? Why did I say that? But yeah, Jeff Geringer at Facebook. That Facebook. Right. Yeah. Ghosty, are you brave enough to tell people where to find you? I don't know. After side one of Monkeys Present, I don't know if I should say anything, but it's David Ghosty Wills on Facebook where you can see my uh, postings about old-time Hollywood, usually every day. <laughs> nice. I always enjoy them. I always enjoy them. Thank you. And keep in mind, we've got Just Us and Changes coming. So, Oh, God, yeah. It's good, clean fun. And pull it. Go. And pull it. <laughs> well, I will confess right now at the end of... So I'm going to say something positive. At the end of The Monkeys Present... I am a Poolit apologist, so look forward to my talking about Poolit, because <laughs> you guys are going to rip me apart. But anyway, if you want to find me and talk about the Monkeys Present or any of the other Monkeys albums, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Warp Factor Jeff. Yes, that is a Star Trek reference. Uh, Warp Factor Jeff, and I, I am on Facebook, but I don't use Facebook very often, so getting me on there might be a little bit tough. So if you want to talk, uh, definitely look me up on. Twitter. So that ends the coverage of our first half of the Monkeys Present. We'll be back with Side B shortly in the future. So uh, keep your ears open. And thanks, of course, to the Zilch Nation for listening. We look forward to talking to you next time. Zilch! A Hubble Benson production.
And that was side one of the Monkeys Present right here on Zilch. Thank you to Jeff, Jeff, Ghosty, and the lovely Melinda. They're all lovely, but thank you all for, for side one. Up next, we're going to have another opinion from Zilcher Tommy B. And he hangs out over at the Zilch A Monkeys Podcast Facebook page. I asked Tommy to give us his thoughts on side one of The Monkeys Presents. So, Tommy, without further ado or further ado, take it away. Hey, hey, Zilch Nation. Tommy B. over here in Jersey. That's uh, New Jersey, by the way, not that outdated old Jersey. No letters on that, please. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, I've been a fan since the 80s, a second-generation fan when the show was on MTV and the Nickelodeon. I've been hooked ever since. I've been asked by Ken, very fortunate, um, to review Side A of The Monkees Present. It's 1969. Take a look at the cover. What a contrast from Instant Replay, which is basically 60s, vibrant, pop art, Andy Warhol-esque, psycho-jello colors. And then we get... This, which comes out on Cold Gems as a black and white, just straightforward drawing of their faces. It's pretty bland. Huge shift from what we had before. Does match the concepts and theme and genre of this album. What is the concept? Well, it's just three different individual artists sharing a space. The title is The Monkees Present Mickey, uh, David, and Michael. Look at that. David and Michael, not Davy and Mike. What's that about? We got their first very adult names. This is, again, part of that shift like the album cover itself. So we have these three separate individuals. Here's where this album ranks for me. Where does it rank in the group's oeuvre, if you will? Well, my preferred genre is rock and pop, and this really isn't quite that. So for me, I don't know. I'd say it only beats out justice, maybe changes. Everything else is better for me as far as the other albums but keep in mind that doesn't mean it's not a good album it's just that the other albums truly are so freaking good that even an album with some very enjoyable tunes as this still sits toward the bottom rung that's just how great their body of work is it opens with mickey's little girl and ladies and gentlemen this is the only album to open with a slow down tempo song the only monkeys album so right away we are being told that this is a different kind of monkeys we got Louis Shelton on guitar, but this is not the rockin' flamenco licks he did for Valerie, but these are like jazzy licks and tones. So this is, to me, an adult contemporary album. The names are adult, the cover art is adult, everything's a little bit more sophisticated and mature, and so is the opening track. Fun fact, this is the first of four Dolan's Pen songs on this album, making The Monkees present the uh, first and almost only album to have more Dolan's Pen songs and writing credits than it does any other monkey. And didn't happen again until Justice. I rank this as number six of the first six songs on the album of the first half because the competition is just that good. All right, the second song up is Good Clean Fun. To me, this is the second best song on side A. Oh, Nez, you country rock pioneer. You got some amazing songs, and this is another great one. To me, though, it really is just country and not country rock. There's barely any drums, and there's a whole lot of fiddle and steel guitar. What is interesting is this has a recurring Nez theme here. The I've been away and I've been not appreciating you as much as I should have, but your patience has brought me closer to you, dear. 
I mean, we got this in Propinquity, I've just begun to care. We see this in Nine Times Blue a little bit. And in Papa Jean's Blues, when he sings, Nights of Waiting Have Finally Won Me. Hmm. Guys, are we the fans? The girl that he keeps singing to in these songs as he's now finally come back to us in our in the monkey's home and fandom as he's touring again and singing these songs for us after shying away for so many years? It's food for thought. Love the personification, the imagery in the line, a watch that keeps looking back to me, and it says to me, be patient, son. That's just good writing. The final lines of the song, and the gap that once was time is forever closed behind. I told you I'd come back, and here I am. Classic Nez. And now that he's doing it in tour and concerts again after decades away, hearing him say that, the fans eat it up. We love it. There's some notoriety in the fandom around the ending of the song, of I told you I'd come back. Where there's this rumor that he supposedly confirmed in an article that nobody can find in a fanzine, I believe, from the early 80s that I don't know many people who's even heard of called Monkey Tales. That Nez corroborates that this is a menacing line about a stalker who's going to hurt this girl. But I, I don't know. Unless I can see it and really interpret it for myself, I'm not buying it because nothing, literally nothing in the lyrics suggests that at all. In fact, everything is suggesting that this is a happy couple who feel mutually the same about each other and uh the girl is waiting for him in the crowd at the airport as nez lands in the plane i don't know about you but if i had a stalker i'm gonna pretty much stay away and not meet him at the airport and you know carry the luggage for him or something so if you got a stalker and that's something you're thinking of doing don't do that don't do that thanks mick don't do that all right next song is if i knew for me Fifth best song on side A. Pretty song, sad song. Davey does a great job on it. Favorite thing about it is that in the 2000s, you can see a video of Davey at a table doing like autographs or something. He's got a guitar. He pulls it up and he starts to play and sing this song on it. And it sounds so good. Google it. After that, we got Bye Bye, Baby Bye Bye. This is the number one song on side A for me. Mickey nails it. This song rocks. It's got attitude. And this album needs some of that otherwise being filled with mostly country and ballads. Mickey's vocal attacks the lyrics, just as he is verbally attacking the person they're about. No more is this the Mickey of little girl who is sad and wounded. Here he's fed up and he's tough. Very similar to Midnight Train's attitude. It sounds like a sister song. This song also has Davey doing awesome backing vocals, and it therefore is the only song that was newly recorded for this album that features more than one monkey, which is tragic. Listen, uh, looking for the good times, it was recorded way earlier. So for all these reasons and the rocking guitar part, this is a standout track. And next up is Never Tell a Woman Yes. I'd say this is, for me, the fourth best song on side A. It's got a great story. Um, there's a beautiful stranger that offers to take Nez with her on his caravan, but he turns her down, which is also very Nez, and he goes solo. Follows the beat of his different drummer. You know, see what I did there? Anyway, follows the beat of a different drum, and uh, he reunites with her years later. She finds him again. And uh, what I like about this is she had these jewels that were taken from her by a different man. And now they're gone. But Nez has this line. Or would I have been the one to leave her lying in the sun and then ended up with only precious stones? I like that. The only is what makes this really significant. The stones are precious, but to him, they're really not. Instead... The theme is this. You will be rewarded for marching the beat of your own drum. 
and not chasing the tempting jewels that distract us from what really matters. He's better off after have going his own way. In fact, this guy still ends up with, quote-unquote, the woman in my arms giving me her charms, and better than the guy who just has the jewels, which, as we know, that kind of life only leads to ennui. Finally, the last song, closing the side A, is Looking for the Good Times. Third best song for me on side A. It's great to have Boys and Heart back, and uh, probably... Many of the 1969 fans of the Monkees' traditional sound were all wondering and looking for the good times again on this very album, and weren't finding it very much until now. The song begins with guitar player doing hammer-ons, where the fingers literally hammer off and on into the strings, sustaining the note longer and longer, building it up like a volcano as more instrumentation is added, heightening to the moment of eruption. What is the eruption? Davey coming in with the lyrics... With the chorus first. Boys and Heart, by the way, do a lot of their songs where the chorus starts right away instead of later. And even the title of the song is sometimes right away. Like the first song, first words of Last Train of Clarksville are Take the Last Train of Clarksville. Same idea with Valerie. Me Without You begins with the chorus. I Want to Be Free. Let's Dance On. Seems like they start with the title more often and then build the song later after it. So with its cutting and driving guitar and Mickey and Davey singing together with high energy, side one closing with Looking for the Good Times makes me ready to turn over the record and play side two. Well, that wraps up another laugh, Riot. It sure does. So thank you so much. I'm ready to turn this back over to you, Ken. It's been a pleasure. You guys have a great day. Thank you, Tommy B. Fantastic. Great segment. Thank you for being part of Zilch today. Now, I mentioned earlier in the broadcast that we threw up a poll to find out which was your favorite song off of Side One of the Monkeys Presents. So let's take a look at how the voting went. We're going to do this Casey Kasem style, so let's start with the lowest amount of votes. With eight votes in total... Coming in at number six, it's Little Girl. Little Girl knows more than she pretends. She knew I wanted to be more than friends. Every Coming in at number five for the fifth most popular song on The Monkees Present. With 16 votes, it's If I Knew. If I Knew. Coming in as the fourth most popular song on The Monkees Present. With 21 votes. It's never tell a woman yes. Coming in at number three is the most popular song from the Zilch Podcast Facebook page. It's Bye Bye Baby Bye. Coming in at number two, the second most popular song on The Monkees Present, Looking for the Good Times. Looking for the good times, baby. But the number one song off of Side One of the Monkees Present, with 169 votes, it's Good Clean Fun. There's a smile on the wind as it touches my face. So congratulations to Good Clean Fun. Amazing. 
That seems to be the winner for sure. Your most favorite song off The Monkees Presents. Amy Yo's Pauling picked Good Clean Fun because it makes her think of being in the car, singing along with Jody Ritson and Sandy Callie. Laura Horn says this was harder than I thought it would be to pick a song off The Monkees Presents Side 1. I picked Never Tell a Woman Yes. It's not necessarily my favorite song on that side, but I love the movie of the mind that plays when I listen to it. I enjoy a song that tells a good story. Tom Cisnarda says, Good clean fun. Perfect bluegrass pop. Wendy Alnott says, Never tell a woman yes. Such a catchy song with a great story. And Nez has a beautiful voice. Joseph Fender says, Good clean fun. Offers a countryside to the monkeys. Michael LeBlanc said, Like Magnolia Sims from The Birds, The Bees, and The Monkeys, I love the 1920s feel of Never Tell a Woman Yes. Mike's voice is perfect for both songs. And if I only have one vote, though, it goes to Good Clean Fun, which is also a great fun song and definitely the best song on side one. Dean Pascarella picks Looking for the Good Times. I'm probably in the minority, but my favorite Davy songs happen to be on present and instant replay. Plus, it's the Zilch theme song, and that's kind of off. And we'd like to thank Michael Lynch for our own version of Looking for the Good Times. And it's cool that the Monkees later had an album called Good Times. Corrine Floyd picks If I Knew. Davy's voice shines through this sad, introspective song. Simple, but well done. Jason Merrick says, if I knew, but it's really a difficult choice. They had so much great material, even after the series. Michael Lundy writes, good, clean, fun. I perform this song occasionally and dedicate it to our military families. It's a great story song in the context of a returning military member from a deployment. Gia Kumar writes, Never Tell a Woman Yes is a magnificent dessert of too much icing and not enough cake. Though composed with no ABA structure, it weaves a tale and entertains on so many levels. Robert Carlson, looking for the good times because Davy really rocks in this. Robert Tomlinson says, If I Knew, one of the two Davy songs that show great maturity in this song selection. Apparently, he had really liked this tune as he remembered it, as he played and sang part of this song at an autograph signing a couple of years before he passed. A truly beautiful song that I wish he would have sung live in concert. Robert Skinner says, I'm voting for good, clean fun. It's a song that I really like of theirs, and I never get tired of listening to it. I personally think it's a hidden gem, in the Monkees catalog of songs. Sherry A.B. Mabry says, Good Clean Fun could have been a hit on any chart had it gotten any support from the record company. It's a bouncy fun song, a great companion to Circle Sky. Gene Eisler says, I like it when Ness says, I told you I'd come back and here I am. Good Clean Fun. Rebecca M. Whitman says, Bye, bye, baby, bye, bye. It sounds so different. I really like the funky beat. Mickey was really far out with his songs, and I wish he wrote more than he did, because his stuff was always interesting and cool. We love Mickey Dolan's and his songwriting here at Zilch. Anola Jones writes, Good, clean, fun, because when my husband and I were separated by a few states, and at one point a country, this song reassured me. Fantastic. Trevor Duncanson says, Good, clean, fun. The perfect representation of the monkeys during that period and one of my favorites with Mike's southern influence. But with the fun pop sounds you'd expect from the guys, to this day I still imagine Peter playing the banjo solo. A banjo solo! Despite him not being in the band at this point, incredible tune that makes the monkeys present a loved album for me. 
Amy Chapman writes, I'm waiting for Melinda Gildart to describe our fave monkey in my fave song on this album, Looking for the Good Times, as a grown-ass Davy song. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think you may have gotten your wish. So that's just some of the fun we're having over at Facebook, over at the Zilch Facebook page. Sandy Callie says, I always sing good, clean fun to myself when flying back to the USA, and the plane keeps getting closer every minute I look down to a watch that keeps looking back at me. Whenever I hear that song, I'm immediately transported to a mid-Atlantic flight. There's so many great opinions, and they're all worth reading, but we only have so much time, so thank you to everybody who took part in the poll for the Monkeys Present Side 1. We will be doing the same thing for the next episode of Zilch, in which we will look at the Monkeys Present Side 2 with the two Jeffs, Melinda and Ghosty. They will be back. Tommy B will be back with his thoughts on Side 2 as well. And I will be back as your jovial host, Ken Mills. You know, that guy. You know me. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the Monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkey's Solo Years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You've sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davey, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys. Plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover. And this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. <clears throat> Get Headquartered, a timeline of the monkey solo years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today. Cool. I'm going to get one today. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Zilch. Join us on the next one. Come back. Spend some time with us. So until next time, take some time to monkey around. We'll see you all on the next episode of Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Love one another. Be good. We love you. Bye. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkey's audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burr. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Hi, everyone. Christine Wolf here. You might know me as a podcast host or announcer or by my formal title, Christine the Button Queen. But I have a secret identity. I'm an independent insurance agent. That's right. It's nonstop excitement in my world. And protecting people's most important business and personal assets is a big part of it. With clients from coast to coast, it doesn't matter whether you're in Clarksville, Rockford, Gotham City, or a galaxy far, far away. I can help you. 
give me a call for your free quote. If you're a business owner or decision maker, let's talk about an insurance portfolio custom fit for your needs. And on the personal side, whether you own your home or rent, have a driving record that's squeaky clean or not quite the best, I've got you covered. Oh, and about those monkeys collectibles you have? Yep, I can make sure those are protected too. I've put together a team with decades of experience of risk management and analysis, and my relationships with dozens of insurance companies means that I can put together an insurance program tailor-made for you. So give me a call today at 314-657-2995. That's 314-657-2995. Or email me at christinewolf at cjthomas.com or you can even PM me on Facebook. I'd love to hear from you and get the chance to run some free quotes for you and earn your business.